This is Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon on your official home of the Flames, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Things off on hour two of the program. It is Sports Day today. It's Logan Gordon along with you. We're coming to you live from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studios here in Calgary, Alberta. I would usually say my outstanding producers, Cam and Taylor, but they're just producers on this Friday. Some things, That's to, work, rude. Some things to work out with them later. After I made you a very lovely outline today. Yeah, you did something. I always uh, do everything right. <laughs> Hour one, we were talking all things Calgary Wranglers and NHL playoffs. Podcast will be up. Uh, Google, Amazon, Spotify, your favorite podcatcher uh, in just a moment's time. If you want to go back and listen to anything from hour one. Uh, but very excited to kick off hour two of the program. Heading down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Uh, to chat with Roughnecks forward Tanner Cook in the midst of a uh, franchise uh, records breaking season for the Calgary Roughnecks with 13 wins and now uh, just over a week away from a playoff game at the Scotiabank Saddledome. Uh, thanks very much for joining us this afternoon, Tanner. How are you, man? I'm excellent. Happy to be here. Uh, great regular season for your group. I mentioned the franchise high, uh, 13 wins. Uh, how do you look back on the regular season for your group, man? Yeah, I mean, you know, at the start of the season, uh, we don't really like to pay too much attention to the media, but we couldn't help uh Look, they had us ranked uh, way down there at the bottom, and to find out that we're setting franchise highs this year is uh, pretty exciting. Uh, individually for yourself, 63 points, uh, third in team scoring in 18 games. How did you feel about what you were able to accomplish in the regular season? Yeah, I mean, I always say that I'm proud to the players around me. You know, on the offensive end, we got a lot of strong weapons in place here, Tanger, Waters. From the whole the whole group there, Dan Taylor, like everybody contributed, and so I was just happy to play with the guys around me. We mesh well and got good chemistry. Uh, it was a bit of a breakout season for yourself. What was the biggest difference you think from last year to this year, Tanner? I uh, I think that uh, it all kind of stemmed from uh, Coach Kurt Miloski there. Like you know, he called me up at the start of the season, said he wanted a little bit more of me, kind of gave me that extra confidence and. Uh, Gave me a little bit of better role, bigger role on the team, and uh, voted well for me. Uh, you guys got a bye week now before your home playoff game next Saturday. How do you feel like a, a bye at this time of the season can help your group? Yeah, I mean, it uh, gives us a little bit of time to just focus on areas where uh, we think that we might need a little bit of extra room uh, of improvement. So, well, guys are all traveling to Calgary this weekend for practice, and uh, we'll get that stuff squared away heading into the game. What's uh what's a bye week look like for you? Are you watching other NLL games? Are you taken away from it yourself, just watching game tape from your last session out, or what does it look like for you during this uh, this time off? Uh, personally, I don't really spend too much time looking into my opponents. You know, another game for me. I'm more concerned about the guys in, in our room rather than the guys in the other room. So, just kind of building with my teammates and spending good time with them and building my relationships and having good success. 
uh, home game at the Dome on Saturday. That's got to mean a lot to your group, knowing how special it is to, uh, to hit the floor in Calgary with the, the awesome crowds that you guys get out there every week, hey? Oh, it's nothing better than taking the floor and just having everybody roar in there in the, in the Dome there. It's, it's, it's a feeling like no other. And obviously a big accomplishment for your group as, as you know, wanting to do things for the regular season. Nice to get that, that first one at home as you start what should be a, a nice playoff run for your group. Yeah, I know. I think we're uh, we're hoping to have a good push here um, in the postseason, but the first one is definitely the most important one, and, and we might wind up getting uh, Colorado in the end, and they beat us last out first uh, round last year, so it'll be, it might be a little bit of a revenge game for us. Uh, I wanted to ask you about a couple of your teammates, uh, namely starting with the captain Jesse King hits a hundred points this season. What can you say about him and what he's done for the team this season, Tanner? Yeah, I mean, he's, he's a dedicated leader. He's actually sits beside me in the dressing room, so <laughs> him and I get to chatting a lot. And uh, you know, he's just an amazing guy, and he, he, you know, he really, he really feel like what he feels for the team. He's really looking out for all the guys around him. Uh, and one guy that's gotten a lot of attention and deservingly so for your group is uh, your goaltender, uh, Christian Del Bianco. It feels like almost since night one, uh, there's been a campaign for him as a potential league MVP candidate and. Uh, I, I know you guys love what he does for your group, not only in the transition game, but how strong he is in net every day. When you look at what Christian does, can you see uh, a league MVP in net for you guys? Oh, 100%. I mean, he's like he, he, he's a generational uh, goaltender. Um, I mean, he makes our team better and gives us that extra confidence on the front end, but he's also making us better in practice, better shooters, and you know, he gives us some ideas on the other goalies too all the time. So, you know, he's just all around an excellent player. Uh, Josh Courier joined your team uh, after a couple of games this year. I think it was after the fourth game when he came over in a trade with Saskatchewan. Uh, hit 45 points this season. Seems like he was a nice add for your group down the stretch. Oh, certainly. I mean, you know, we're the Roughnecks, we're a family, and actually getting a, a blood brother there off from that Courier, is, uh, we were happy <laughs> to have him join the squad for sure. <laughs> uh, you led the team with, uh, with 27 penalty minutes this year, Tanner. That physical side is something I know uh, I've talked to Jesse about. It's something that you guys pride yourself on. Is it uh, something you guys are want to take into the postseason as well, understanding that that physical side can mean so much to your guys' success? Oh, certainly. I mean, you know, it's important to command your will out there and, and be important that, uh, you know, we're not getting pushed around out there. So it's important to back up your teammates in all aspects of the game and whatever that may be. Uh, and last but not least, you guys gave up uh, just 9.27 goals per game this season, uh, second only to Toronto, ninth best goals against in the NLL since 2001. Is defense really, uh, not only obviously we talked about Christian and how good he is, but is defense uh, a key to success for this group and something that you guys keep in mind at all aspects of the game sort of thing? Yeah, for sure. I mean, we always, from the front end there, we're relying on those guys a little bit when things get stale, but I mean, game in, game out, and they're doing their jobs. And I mean, I'd actually be interested to see how many goals for they got because they probably have just as many goals for as us on the front end. Yeah. Uh, and you got to tell me, uh, the Cookie Monster nickname, you a big fan of it or is it something that you could do without? Oh, I don't care. I let the guys <laughs> call me whatever they want. I don't, it doesn't bother me any. <laughs> uh, excitement level for Saturday, Tanner? I imagine it's got to be high for your group. Oh yeah, it's through the roof. Like we're just itching to get back at the postseason here. Like you know, that's what we played all all year for, and we're finally there, and no better time. 
Uh, Tanner, appreciate the time, man. Best of luck on Saturday uh, when you guys take to the floor against whoever it is. You guys had a great season. Hope it continues for you guys. All right. Thank you very much. Cheers. Take care. Tanner Cook, forward for the Calgary Roughnecks, joining us down the Alice Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline this afternoon. Uh, Roughnecks on a bye for their final uh, week of the regular season. They'll head into a uh, home playoff date. They know that much next Saturday at the Scotiabank Saddledome. Uh, opponents still to be determined. They could see Colorado. Uh, could be uh, a handful of other opponents, but we've got to see how things work out across the uh, NLL scoring this week. Uh, what a season for the Calgary Roughnecks. What a season for Tanner Cook. 59 points this year. Uh, 18 more than his rookie season. Sorry, he finished higher than that. Excuse me. He had 59 points heading into the last game in the regular season. He finished with 63. Uh, that's much more than he had in his rookie season. Uh, he was tremendous all year long and a big reason that the Roughnecks uh, had the season that they had. 13 wins, a franchise high for a team that's won a couple of NLL championships already. And we'll look to do that again, uh, starting again on Saturday. And I uh, don't have to tell anybody listening to this program, uh, there's plenty of Roughnecks fans out there that are going to make Saturday an absolute madhouse at uh, the Scotiabank Saddledome, regardless of opponent. Uh, I'll do a quick check right now as I head to... Uh, the Roughnecks website. I don't know if tickets are quite on sale yet. Taylor, help me here. Tickets, tickets, tickets. Playoff party. Mm-hmm. Tickets are on sale. That's good news. Oh, yeah, plenty of tickets. Perfect. That's what we like to see. You can head to uh, the Calgary Roughnecks website, and you will find uh, under the Playoff Party tab, uh, link to uh, tickets. Tickets are going fast. Uh, we mentioned uh, tonight's game for the Calgary Wranglers playoff action. If you want uh, more playoff action, uh, this time lacrosse style for the Calgary Roughnecks, uh, you can absolutely do so by heading to their website. 7.30 puck, uh, puck drop. 7.30 face-off on Saturday uh, at the Dome. Tickets going fast. Uh, the full uh, two levels of the Scotiabank Saddle Dome are open. And uh, limited tickets available. You want to head there, get your tickets now. Have you been to a Roughnecks game before, Taylor? I have not. Cam, have you? I have, actually. Oh, good for you. It's a fun atmosphere, isn't it? It's a great time. I went a couple of years ago. It's just, it's a party. What can I say? It is a party. That was the, uh, that was the big thing for a while with the Roughnecks. Right? Come for the isn't party, there, stay for the game. still their slogan? I don't know if it still is or not, but it still would apply. It still is a party every time you go. The little kids with the shirts off and they're waving the shirts and going crazy. And there's usually a couple of dudes doing it. I think Cam did that once. It was frowned upon, but he did it. It's all right. <laughs> I would that. never. Yes, you would. It's a party. We don't judge. Uh, week 22 of the NLL season uh, kicking off on Saturday. Philly taking on Rochester. Uh, the Roughnecks, like I said, finished with a 13-5 and record, uh, only behind the San Diego Seals, who take on Colorado Saturday night. That's an 8 o'clock uh, face-off from San Diego, and that'll help uh, determine some seeding and an opponent for the Calgary Roughnecks. Uh, Taylor, we got to get you out to one of those games because I say this all the time. Calgary's lucky because, yes, it's a great sports city, but you get a little bit of everything because Flames games are different than... Roughnecks games, there's Cavalry games, which have their own feel. You know about the Okotoks Dogs and how cool it is to go to one of those games. 
So Got my season opener tickets. Yes, that one. That's gonna be exciting. Well, uh, I'm as you guys know, some of you know, uh, the producers. I'm trying to get something going with the uh, with the dogs to give, bring you some extra coverage of uh, their upcoming season. Should be great. The weather looks unbelievable right now, and hopefully uh, that continues. Cam, so now I'll ask you the opposite thing. Have you been to a dogs game? I have never been to a dogs game. We're going to have to take him to a dog's game, Taylor. Oh, my. It's so much fun. You can't embarrass us there. It's not quite the same party atmosphere as the Roughnecks. You have to keep your shirt on. Okay. It'll Promise. be tough, but I'm sure okay. we'll uh, It's very we'll exciting. A uh, lot, of, lot of cheering, especially when you go to the final game. Mm-hmm. That was I went to that one last season, and it was pretty big. Yeah, it's, it's honestly, it's incredible. I always think, like, outside of Toronto and going to a Blue Jays game, I don't know how much closer to the pro level you could get than going to Seaman Stadium in Okotoks. It's so well done. Um, it's such a fun summer activity to go to, and uh, it's awesome to go out there and get some sun and then watch the dogs. And as of the last couple of years, the dogs have been pretty dominant too, so you're watching some really good baseball, and uh, they're just part of the awesome sporting scene. There's so much coming up. I know it sucks with the Flames not being in it and the Hitman uh, out early in the WHL playoffs, but you got the Wranglers postseason going on right now. You got rough next playoffs coming up next Saturday. We're a couple weeks out from Okotoks Dog is getting underway. Cavalry FC is going to start getting underway soon. Uh, plenty of cool sporting opportunities and plenty that will uh, bring you updates through here on uh, Sportsnet uh, 965. Plus, we got WPCA. We got Chuck Wagons going again here for uh, their season coming up end of May. We start that, I think. Yep. So we will get up to the Chucks this summer as well. Uh, we got lots to get to, and uh, looking forward to that. Uh, thank you to Laura uh, from the Calgary Roughnecks for setting that chat up with Tanner. I uh, really appreciate that. Again, uh, head to the Roughnecks website if you're looking for ticket details. Uh, head to their playoff matchup next Saturday. We're uh, going to coordinate a couple more interviews uh, with the Roughnecks next week to help you get set up for that uh, home playoff date on Saturday. We'll see if maybe we can uh, squeeze in the captain, Jesse King. We had him on earlier in the season. He's a great interview. Uh, had a tremendous season for the Roughnecks with 100 points uh, and the captaincy on his chest. And uh, maybe we'll see if we can get potential league MVP Christian Del Bianco to, uh, to join us as well and see how uh, they're feeling ahead of that playoff matchup for the Roughnecks. And uh should be good. Uh, get out there and support your local teams and uh, should be a great one for the Calgary Roughnecks on Saturday. Again, opponent to be determined. Uh, let's take a look. Uh, some other sporting news. Uh, round one of the NFL draft went last night from Kansas City. We will dive into uh, all of that with Andy McNamara coming up next segment. Uh, some great uh, prospects going last night. Some huge trades, risers, fallers in the draft. We'll get to all of that with Andy coming up. Uh, and how about this story? Uh, Taylor, you put this on our radar a little bit earlier today. Um, but Bruce Garriock of Post Media reporting that the Remington group uh, led by Canadian actor Ryan Reynolds and uh, real estate mogul, Christopher Braddy prepared to bid $1 billion to purchase the Ottawa senators. That's a lot of money. I believe um, the uh, arena is included in that deal as well. Billion dollars. Wow. Uh, a massive, bump up on their $655 million valuation by Sportigo. 
uh, when they were first set to go up in sale by no- in November. Then in December, Forbes valued the club at $800 million. Since currently owned by Anna and Olivia Melnick, who uh, inherited the team as part of their estate left to them by their father, Eugene, when he passed away in March of 2022, that would be a massive number for the Ottawa Senators, who I think, I think it's fair to say, Taylor, are kind of looked at as, I don't want to say one of the, I don't want to say they're looked at as a, as a poor franchise or as a, like a secondary franchise in the NHL. But I think just given where their arena is, given some of the troubles that they've had in the past, I think that they can be forgotten about sometimes when you talk about the Leafs are in the same province. Some of the Canadian team, Montreal is not far. I think in the East, they get a lot of those attention. Ottawa doesn't. For Ottawa to raise up potentially a bit of a billion dollars led by Ryan Reynolds, I think would be a huge win for Ottawa and for the Ottawa and for uh, the NHL as a whole. Yeah. I mean, I have a friend who lives in Ottawa and she it's, it's far away from downtown Ottawa, the arena, and it takes so much transportation to get there. So it's hard to get to these games and they just don't seem to sell out. And I think the location of it might be and just the fact that they're very overlooked. They're a great team, mm-hmm. but they just are overlooked. Uh, part of this report from Gary Ock says that uh, Reynolds and uh, their partner, uh, I want to get this right uh, as I report it out here, uh, Reynolds and Braddy, Christopher Braddy, are expected to commit to building a new rink close to or in downtown Ottawa that'll be surrounded by an entertainment district. That's going to be part of their bid. Uh, As Taylor mentioned, they currently play the Canadian Tire Center, which opened in 1996 and is technically located in Canada, which is a 20-minute-plus drive from the city's downtown. And I believe it takes longer than that on game days, Taylor, right? Because it's just the one way in, the one way out uh, from there. Yeah, I can ask how long it takes because I know she goes, she lives right around the U of O, Yeah, which is kind of on the other side. You always say it's always a 20-minute drive. Okay, is it a 20-minute drive or... Is it really a 40-minute drive by the time you get out of parking and traffic and everything else, right? But even like they like us, we have a train that goes right to the stadium. Yes. They they don't. They don't. There's like no. buses that run every some odd minutes, and it's hard to get them when everybody's taking it. And this is an interesting point that, I, first of all, I'm extremely curious, and I think the NHL is as well about Reynolds being uh, a part of this group. He's obviously a megastar when it comes to movies, uh, superhero franchises, that sort of stuff. But the success that he's had with Wrexham FC, the Welsh football club that he purchased with uh, his pal Rob McElhaney, uh, turned into an FX series documentary that's done huge numbers. Uh, The fans have I think they've been selling out games in Wrexham and all these places um for like ever since Reynolds took over as as part of the ownership group um he's brought in revenue through sponsorships he's because he owns companies and he's got good relationships with businesses that and the social media presence that he's brought 
I, I can't remember the exact numbers. I'd have to look them up. But like Wrexham's Instagram is a huge thing with like hundreds of thousands of followers. And if I was the NHL, I'd be all over trying to get Ryan Reynolds to do the exact same thing with the Ottawa Senators that he's done with with the Wrexham Football Club. Is it possible because of the scale that it's at and the differences between the two leagues? I don't know if it's, you know, copy and paste, but the guy sure seems committed. And the guy seems like he's willing to put in the work um, for whatever franchise he's a part of. I think it's got to be an enticing thing if you're the NHL. I mean, he's a megastar. He's probably got, what, four or five million followers on Twitter? Well, the AFC has, or like the team has, 838,000 followers on Instagram. Yeah, there's no way they even had 100,000 before Reynolds took over. He's got 21.3 million followers on Twitter. You want that attached to your league. Yeah. I mean, this is pro- this is not like causation, but it's funny that Wrexham has now been bumped up to the next league because they are so good. Yeah. And, and- it, it's been like 15 years, I think, since they've been there. Don't quote me on that one. <laughs> a couple people uh, who have been out to the rink texting in 960-960 says, hey, it's Ryan. I've been to Ottawa a number of times. It's a 20, 25-minute drive from the airport to Canada. Uh, David, our pal in Arbor Lake, texting and says it can take over 20 minutes just to get out of the parking lot at a Sens game. And that's what I always mean is it says, yeah, I bet you it does take you 20 minutes to drive there, but I'm always curious when you add in everything else, right? Like, it's it's not hard to get the Scotiabank saddled on, but if you're 15, 20 minutes out of the parking lot, that's all part of your evening and part of what you're doing as part of going to the games, right? And if you don't have proper transport and you don't have all of these different things attached to it, then you're going to have to uh, figure that out. And uh, I'll be curious to see if that's um, if that bid comes through. I believe um, it is the there's a sports partner based out of New York, which was hired by the Melnick family to sell the franchise. Uh, they've set a May 15th deadline for offers, so we'll know in the coming weeks uh, where the direction of the Ottawa Senators' ownership is heading. And I I don't know this for sure. I had read somewhere that you're going to need to be the highest bidder if you want to win this um, because it's coming from an estate. Their main goal isn't necessarily who they're selling to, but how much they're selling for, right? Like it's more, it's about getting as much money for the family as possible out of the sale, not uh, finding technically the best ownership. So I think Reynolds group would have to be pretty close to the top or matching if they wanted to uh, to come in there with the senators. But uh, really interesting report uh, from Bruce Garriock post media uh, that Ryan Reynolds and the Remington group uh, prepared to bid up to a billion dollars to be the new uh, controlling interest in the Ottawa Senators as they look to uh, purchase it from the Melnick family estate. Uh, we'll take a break, come back on the other side. I uh, promised you some round one uh, NFL draft reaction. We'll do that with our pal Andy McNamara around the corner right here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. You're listening to Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon on the home of the Flames, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. All right, closing out the hour. 
little NFL draft talk. Round one in Kansas City last night was full of storylines. There were your usual risers and fallers. But how about uh, the Arizona Cardinals, the Houston Texans, among many teams moving up and down the draft order, giving us some drama at the top and uh, some interesting picks along the way. We're 31 picks in and uh, with still many amazing prospects on the board, uh, things heating up ahead of round two is beginning later tonight where the Pittsburgh Steelers uh, have been receiving plenty of calls, according to Tom Pelissero of NFL Network. We're going to dive into all of that and more with our pal. Uh, it is Andy McNamara, our fantasy football guru, NFL analyst as well. Uh, he joins us on the Atlas Beach and Sports Bar guest hotline this afternoon. AMC, how are you, pal? Oh, uh, Logan, doing good, brother. How are you? I'm awesome, man. How did you enjoy uh, round one of the NFL draft last oh. night? Absolutely loved it, as you said. Filled with drama, with pageantry. It was sensational. I had my in honor of the draft day movie, the best sports movie in my mind ever. <laughs> I had my pancakes this morning, right? Yeah. The Browns are picking, so I made me and the kids some pancakes, and uh, we're ready to go for rounds two and three today. Yeah, it should be good. Uh, lots of uh, intrigue at top of the draft uh, as we head into round number two. But let's dive back into round one. Uh, we got a little bit of a spoiler alert from uh, Tom Pelissero yesterday. Uh, no surprise, though, the Carolina Panthers go out and take Bryce Young uh, out of Alabama with the first overall pick, Andy. Uh, this is an interesting quarterback class that's going to be talked about for years to come, but how did you feel about the Panthers staking their future on Bryce Young? I quite frankly think it's a mistake with the Panthers to do that. Now, nothing against Bryce Young. Fine young man. I loved how he handles the height situation in questions. He completely disarms people by saying it's sports, it's entertainment, he gets it. Seems extremely likable, but Logan, you know, you and I are fairly likable. Doesn't mean we should be a first overall pick, <laughs> right? Okay. And I, I would wager, you know, we're probably around the same size as Bryce Young, if not a little taller. This is my problem with it. Fantastic college player. We've seen fantastic college quarterbacks. Colt McCoy was the leading most games won coming out of college when he came out. Colt McCoy's not a first overall pick. He went in the third round. Bryce Young, and I've, I know people directly who have stood beside him at the combine, Logan, at the combine directly. They said 5'10", uh-uh. They said more like 5'9", maybe a pinch under that. And that 190 listing is super generous. This guy's thin. He's small. Now, I think the first half of the season, he is going to be the best-looking quarterback out of this draft class because I think he's polished and can go in and go right away. To a point, the problem with a quarterback that size, and Logan, we were talking about this with guys like Baker Mayfield, who's just a shade under six one. Mm-hmm. He has to move around. You have to have everything right. You have to have the length. And what happens when these behemoth defenders who are also getting drafted um, squash you? Who are we talk about? Kyler Murray, who's five eight five nine. He's at least stocky. Like Bryce Young's going to get squished. I would have much rather seen with the talent, athleticism, adversity overcoming through not just this draft process right now, the smear campaign for some reason on C.J. Stroud, but also from a day one starter with Ohio State, what he overcame, I would have much rather seen that skill set and potential with Frank Reich in Carolina. I think he could have had something real special there. In the end, I bet you we get to November next year and Bryce Young is banged up or, or not looking too good. 
I had uh, Nick Bumgarner from The Athletic uh, join me on yesterday's program, and we were both pretty convinced that the Houston Texans were going to have some big impact on the draft uh, one way or another, and it turns out they had a massive impact. Uh, they came into the night with 2-12, and 12, Andy, and before we knew it, uh, they had 2-3. and three. They give up a lot to get that third pick from the Arizona Cardinals, but in their minds, they go with their best quarterback to lead the offense and the best defensive player in their minds to lead the defense. What did you think of the moving and shaking from the Houston Texans atop this draft? Yeah, on paper, Houston Texans won this first round. No doubt. It, it, to me, they got the best quarterback. And there was, you know, there was, oh, he has the same agent as Deshaun Watson. Now he can't go there. But it, it, it turned out to be, as it quite often is with the draft, smoke and mirrors and you know, that S2 or whatever test score that C.J. Stroud didn't do well and didn't mean squat. But the Texans now, you say they gave up a lot and they did, but it was bonus. The first round pick they traded was the one they got from the Cleveland Browns from the Deshaun Watson trade. So that was bonus money. So they got that. You go up right now. You're the Houston Texans in a rebuilding mode. You have your franchise quarterback and you have your franchise defender right there. You got that one, two punch immediately. Um, this is a, a Houston Texans team that still probably won't, won't make the playoffs this year with how loaded the AFC is. Boy, do you have your base to climb, get better, and grow coming out of it. Houston Texans won that first round. Uh, one team that has a lot of people wondering what their draft strategy was, the Detroit Lions. I, I got to start here with you, Andy, because I was as confused as anybody. They traded down from 6 to 12. Uh, picking up an early second rounder in the deal, and that's a good one. And look, I think Jameer Gibbs has every opportunity to be a, a fantastic football player, and I'm glad he was a first-round pick because I think he had that kind of value. I just don't quite understand the, the value at number 12, knowing you mm -hmm. have DeAndre Swift and David Montgomery currently under contract. That one seems like a, a bit of a head-scratcher for me. Yeah, that almost seems like the front office making the picks forgot to look at their depth chart. <laughs> yeah, you know? it's like it's like oh that guy's really good. And I'm like oh 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 wait yeah we got those two guys. Mm -hmm. And like you said, look, Jameer is Jameer Gibbs better than both those two guys? Could very well be. However, you did bring in David Montgomery. You do have DeAndre Swift, and it's not like the running back market trade market is on fire. Not even the free agent signing market. You still have Ezekiel Elliott and Kareem Hunt sitting out there. So what do they think they're going to get for a DeAndre Swift? or a David Montgomery, right? Like it's, it's mm. very, it's a very strange pick. It's again, player wise, specifically great. I just don't know why you would use that on a 12 pick. You go down, you could have got you know, maybe another offensive tackle. Maybe you could have got um, a different type of defender. I do like their second pick linebacker, uh, Jack Campbell. I do like that pickup. Um, but you could have gone in a whole bunch of different directions. You could have gone receiver, Right? It, it's just a very odd pick. Uh, how did you like the uh, Atlanta Falcons and the value they got uh, taking Bijan Robinson at number eight? You know what? That was the big question. Where was Bijan Robinson going to go? And it could have been, I thought maybe the Eagles could have possibly taken him if they stayed. Um, you know, and, and you go down the list, okay, who else could have, you know, could have gone in the teens uh, to go to the, the Falcons? Falcons sneakily, and the quarterback is the, the mega question for them uh, still with Desmond Ritter, who I liked last year. We talked about him on the show. I mm -hmm. do think Desmond Ritter, if given some time and patience, can evolve into a good starting quarterback in the league. I, I do like Desmond Ritter. Um, 
But now you get the best running back, consensus-wise, in this draft. And as we know, with running backs, they're one of the few positions coming out as rookies. You can plug, play, and they can be superstars as soon as they step on the field. So now you've got Bijan Robinson back there. You have a nice little depth uh, run at uh, running back. And now you can take some pressure off of your young quarterback with a dynamic playmaker like Bijan Robinson. So I think it's a good play. And, and very quietly, yeah, those Falcons have been, they've been making some moves. I don't mind it. Yeah, they're certainly an interesting group, and uh, one I'm curious. I think Bijan Robinson, from a fantasy perspective, Andy, is he going to be one of those guys that you're mm-hmm. thinking a top ten option at running back next year? Oh, you know, overall at running back, yes, for sure. Um, be interesting to see where you want to put him because it's still a case where you have to value in for your fantasy team. All right, if Desmond Ritter isn't good, and everyone knows you're really just got. Bijan Robinson, then that's going to kind of stymie some of his value because then people are just going to stack the box or focus on him, right? Mm-hmm. I think he's a heck of a talent, though. He can catch, he can run, he's, the, he's a complete player. So he's got to be considered right up there in a, and especially with that draft capital, you have to think he would get moved into that ever rarer air of bell cow back uh, in the NFL. And when that comes to fantasy, that's, that's worth its weight in gold. Uh, these picks certainly have their own fantasy impact to get to as well, but uh, I'm curious what you made of the run on receivers that we saw starting at pick 20 with the Seattle Seahawks. Nobody was touching them, and then all of a sudden, all of them were gone. Uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba goes. Quinton Johnston goes to the Chargers. Zay Flowers to the Ravens, and then Jordan Addison to the Minnesota Vikings. What did you make of that uh, four-pick selection, all wide receivers, Andy? Well, my, my friends who are Bills fans were super mad that they were all gone. But they were very upset. I can't share the language, but they were yeah. extremely upset that those four went on a run. And that's, that's kind of how it goes. That's fun. It's like no receiver. Someone takes a, Oh, wait, we need a receiver. Yeah. Uh, okay. Let's go. Um, Jackson Smith and, and Jigba uh, coming out of Ohio state um, in a wide receiver draft class where it doesn't seem like there's that true superstar. Again, day one, Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson from a year ago. But you've got a lot of really good wide receivers that can start as twos and maybe grow in. And I think we're going to see over the next couple of days in the draft, there is a ton of wide receiver value still. Big, fast guys who maybe aren't the most polished route runners, whatever. And you can make do if you put them in a two-three spot. But now we look at that run. So, Smith and Jigba, love it for the Seahawks. You add that to Tyler Lockett and to DK Metcalf. With Tyler Lockett getting on in years a little bit, you have his immediate replacement and you can sprinkle that in. Phenomenal. Then you got Quentin Johnson, big body guy, right? 6'3. That looks like a receiver. And the Chargers really need to freshen up, I think, that. Um, that wide receiver group. You got to get Justin Herbert some more exciting weapons. Younger. They did that. Baltimore Ravens with Zay Flowers. Now, I like Zay Flowers. However, I really find it tough. Again, this is a guy listed at 5'9". I talk to people, Logan, who are like, come on, man. If, if they're 5'9", you're 6'5", and I'm not 6'5". Okay? Yeah. It's soaking wet. So that's fine. Super fast, zippy, dynamic. Great. I, out of the slot, that's fine. But you're paying first-round capital for a slot receiver. It kind of reminds me of like the Jalen Rieger pick of Philly a few years ago when all they had to do was hand in the card and get Justin Jefferson, right? Yeah. He was right there and you missed it. So with Z flowers, okay, you got a five, nine guy who's yeah, probably 165, 170, 
what happens when he gets smashed over the middle the first time? I don't know. Uh, but another weapon for the recently signed or re-signed, I guess, or a contract extension for Lamar Jackson. Jordan Addison, he was kind of my number two when you were looking at it from uh, uh, receivers and for Minnesota. Again, okay, Adam Thielen's gone. How are we backfilling that type of position to go along with Justin Jefferson? Can we get somebody so that people just can't hone in on him? Well, yeah, now you have a different looking receiver, 5'11", 173. You know, it's pretty polished, uh, sub 4'5", 40-yard dash. So he's got speed. So now you got the big body Jefferson on the outside, and you can sprinkle Addison in. So I think uh, I, I like all four picks. But you got, still, man, you got a bunch. You got uh, Jalen Hyatt from Tennessee that could go to Bryce Ford Wheaton, I think, is going to be a steal wherever he goes in the right situation, probably fourth, fifth round. Um, Marvin Mims is probably going to yep. go. Out of OU, so there's a lot of names. Uh, you mentioned the Lamar Jackson one in there, and I have to ask you about that because it was a topic for you and me on this program so much after the season ended, and it seemed like there was such a contentious issue between Lamar Jackson and the Ravens and them not willing to commit to him while they eventually do to uh, the tune of the highest-paid quarterback in the NFL, and they go out, they've signed Odell Beckham Jr. for a year, They've gone out. They've gotten Zay Flowers. I imagine it's got to be a pretty big turn of uh, you know feeling for Lamar Jackson in that what twenty four forty eight hour span of getting paid from the Ravens, and now all of a sudden here's all this help, and you can kind of see the light at the end of the tunnel if you're Lamar. Well, I think the what the Ravens have done is okay. You give them the big contract, so they they bought into him, not fully guaranteed, like he fully wanted, so he came back down to earth from that. Um, but now you look at a case where there's really no excuses, right? Because to me, it was getting to the point of, oh, the wide receivers aren't good. Well, are they not good or is the quarterback mm-hmm. not good enough to make them good? An example, Hollywood Brown going to Arizona. Well, good to me. Wasn't good in Baltimore. Okay, well, now you don't have any excuses. But the Odell Beck, like, what a – he needs to get into PR, like, right after. He's been doing it for himself. <laughs> That dude got 15 mil guaranteed back-to-back non-contact ACL tears. Are you kidding Unbelievable. me? Logan, next life, we should pray to be <laughs> Odell Beckham Jr. Mike, 15 mil, you can't stay on the field. You haven't played 16 games since 2019. And you've only played 16 twice in your whole career. You have not been relevant, n- never mind fantasy-wise. You haven't been relevant, period, since 2018. Really? And not really since 2016. Yeah. And you're getting 15 million. So, okay, cool. You got Odell. Let's see if he can stay on the field. Zay Flowers, again, nice zippy option. You got Mark Andrews. Bateman's coming back. Well, Bateman was another guy I like coming out. Didn't look good. Is that because Bateman's not good? Or is it because Lamar isn't that good of a passer of the football? We're going to find out. There's no more excuses for Baltimore. We talked about some uh, different storylines coming out of last night. But I always like asking this after round one. Do you have a favorite pick or two from the first 31 that were in the books last night, Andy? Uh, well, the, the C.J. Stroud one, again, I think he's going to be, uh, and I'm super confident in this, and I call, I, I will toot my own horn from time to time, Logan, okay? <laughs> I called, and I, on this on this show, yeah. my shows, every, any show, I said Jalen Hurts would be a superstar. They're like, second round, come on. Boom. What I tell you? Yep. C.J. Stroud is going to be the best quarterback in this draft class. For three years, three years from now, we're going to look back, say C.J. Stroud is the best one out of this draft class. No problem. So, I really like the C.J. Stroud pick. I'll say this. I'm most intrigued with Anthony Richardson. Like, I just, I don't know what to expect. I just want to see him with the ball and run through people. Because 
that's the difference between like a Kyler Murray or Lamar Jackson who are slighter or smaller. They have to get around. Oh no, we don't want them to get hit. Anthony Richardson, he'll, he'll run through you. He, that, that is, that is a, a evolution of, of humanity there. Okay. He runs like he's five, nine. He's super fast. He's big. He's strong. And he's like a bigger, stronger Cam Newton. But the completion percentage in college is 50%. We don't often see that go up significantly. An example of it happening, though, Josh Allen. So it, it, it is possible. He has good tools around him in, uh, in Indianapolis. Um, but he's got to, like, he's an inconsistent passer. He can make some wild passes. He can miss a lot of passes. Does, can't read defenses overly well. Again, he seems eager to learn which is good. That's kind of the, the notes on. So that's good. Can he pick it up remains to be seen, but that's the guy I want to just see, like, give me some popcorn and, you know, call his own number and have him just run through people for a while. Andy McNamara along with us, uh, some round one reaction to the NFL draft, uh, had rounds two and three, uh, going tonight from Kansas city, uh, on this Friday night, uh, some interesting names still left on the board. Uh, when mm. Pittsburgh takes, uh, over at pick number 32, uh, nice little value there for uh, chase Claypool, by the way. Uh, that worked out yeah. nicely for Pittsburgh, but uh, I'm curious though, let's start with one guy. Cause it was the story that both the networks were running last night. And that was of course, quarterback will Levis, uh, still oh. sitting there in the draft room, uh, waiting for his name to be called Andy. It seemed like once he kind of got first, that first half of the draft, it seemed like it really wasn't going to happen for the young man. Uh, now the question becomes, where does he fall to today? Uh, do you have a feel for where we might see will Levis finally land in this draft? Boy, he fell, unfortunately, a victim to the smoke and mirrors. Like, Logan, yesterday at this time, people were talking about Will Levis going second overall. Yeah. Or fourth, right? Like, that was that seemed certain. Never mind, maybe. That seemed like a certainty. Nobody took him. I feel so bad for the guy. Like, he just, you know what, honestly, not to go back to the draft day movie again, but I will. <laughs> if you guys watch it and you look at Bo Callahan, he looks like Bo Callahan, and he's sitting there, and he's <laughs> nervous, and the cameras are on him. That must be absolute hell. You just sit there and it's like, oh man, like what faulty info that he got. He should not have been at that, that draft room. So he has to sit there. Um, this is where I look at a team. Uh, like I, I would have to think he goes in the second round. Like I, I really would. I could see the Las Vegas Raiders taking him. I could definitely see the Tennessee Titans taking him out. If he's there at 41, I don't think he gets past Tennessee. I think he goes, because that is then the perfect scenario where you have Big arm guy. And if you look at Will Levis' stats coming out of Kentucky, they, they wouldn't jump off the page at you. They, they don't stand out. They're just, you'd skim over it. Um, but he's got the talent. He's got the size. He's got the arm. Raw, though, has to be refined. Well, now, if you're in the second round, there's not the pressure as a first-round pick to have to play right away. So you can sit behind Tannehill. You can do that. You can be a little more patient with him. So I, I think the best landing spot for him would probably be Tennessee. But I could... I could see a scenario where, um, you know, the, the Raiders end up taking him. You know what? Maybe the Rams as well. Mm -hmm. Matt Stafford getting old looks pretty similar, right? He's a bit more fluid than Stafford at this point, but another big, burly dude. The Rams could make some sense for him as well. Yeah, that Rams one at 36 really interests me because I'm just curious enough if they might uh, take a stab at some good value there and get that quarterback in. And I, I do, I think I'm with you, Andy. He's one of those guys, I think is going to need a year or two. And I think the Rams and like you mentioned, you know, maybe even Tennessee is just a good spot for him to run into and, and learn with a good coach and a good uh, player in front of mm -hmm. him and pick up some of those skills he's going to need 
uh, going forward. Another position I wanted to ask you about, too, uh, tight end. Seemed like it was making a lot of noise potentially late in the first round, uh, whether it was Michael Meyer out of tennis, out of Notre Dame or uh, Darnell Washington, the tight end out of Georgia. Felt like we might see a couple of those guys go in round one. Uh, Kincaid's the only one, and he goes to Buffalo where Dawson Knox uh, is already making noise at the tight end position. I wonder how many of those tight ends we see go in day two of the draft here. In it being such a deep tight end draft class, I am surprised we only saw one. Um, I gotten word from a couple sources that Kincaid would be the guy. Michael Meyer was the popular one, but I heard Kincaid would be the first round guy. I thought Meyer would have gone as well. Um, this is a spot where if the Raiders don't decide quarterback, boy, that makes a lot of sense for them at 38 to take Michael Meyer. If he's on the board, Darren Waller's gone. You have a guy who um, has all the tools, but remember tight end is one of those rules. We talked about how running back, you can step right in and go day one, super rare that you can see a tight end come in and really make an impact with all the extra duties and functions that are involved at the position at the NFL level. Um, unless you're freed up quite a bit to just go catch the football, which maybe with the Raiders, but yeah, I could see Michael Meyer going to uh, our mayor going to um, go into the Raiders. And then, yeah, from there, you kind of dip off a little bit. You could have Laporta, maybe, you know, maybe the Packers type of thing or uh, Washington, something like that. Well, I got to ask you, of course, Andy, you are the, uh, the Cleveland Browns guy here. They have uh, a couple yeah. of picks coming up here. Uh, not going to be for a little bit, but uh, <laughs> they'll get into it uh, later today. Uh, what are your Cleveland Browns looking for in uh, this draft? Two picks so far in the third round, 74 and 98. Um, now they could, it, Andrew Barry in the, in the front office of the Browns aren't typically aggressive. They've only in three years, they've only traded up once uh, multiple trade downs. If they see a guy they like, I would love for them to maybe bundle those two and jump up higher to get someone just to create some excitement. Um, but the position they need, whatever the pick's going to be, unless there's a, some crazy value on someone they love on offense, the offense is set. Okay. You got the offense figured out. It's defense. You desperately need uh, more depth at edge and pass rush. Defensive tackle is in need. Safety is in need and probably a linebacker. I would, the guy I'm targeting, I'm targeting two guys for the Browns. If it's on the defensive line, edge rusher, Isaiah Foskey out of Notre Dame. You know, the, I'm doing Isaiah Foskey, no matter what, Logan, I'm popping <laughs> it in my pocket. Okay. That this is the guy 23 sacks over the last two years. Okay. Uh, he blocked four punts. He's he's a riser. He hasn't even played his best football. So there's things like, okay, well, he uh, uh, tries, but he gets tangled up in defense. You have Jim Schwartz, okay? You have one of the best, if not the best, defensive coordinator in minds in all of the NFL now on the Browns. So you take a guy who can go get the quarterback, and you can fix those little those intricacies, those little extra nuances along the way. Boy, man, I would love that. Give me some Isaiah Foskey out of Notre Dame. Please. I like him. Zach Harrison out of Ohio State's another guy. Um, less dynamic. Um, but, yeah, Foskey would be my guy for the Browns at 74. And then at 98, I would like, you know, it depends. Is there a tackle there? Is there a safety? If there's a safety, if Jamie Robinson is there from Florida State, I'd like him. Um, but now it's so tough when you get into the, even the second round, but especially third and beyond, to pick the player because you know we don't know who's who's going to go where to somebody reaching in that just like the wide receiver does that make a run on guys maybe we didn't anticipate right so mm -hmm. it'll be interesting should be a great one looking forward to tonight uh, andy appreciate the time as always pal thanks for uh checking in post round one good luck to your browns tonight eh? oh 
Thanks, brother. Talk to you soon. See <laughs> Take ya. care. Andy McNamara joining us on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Uh, you know him. You love him as our fantasy football guru during all NFL seasons and joining us during the offseason as well for some uh, NFL analysis going through round one of the NFL draft that went last night in Kansas City. Round two and three go on this Friday evening. We've got to get out of here. Hockey Central 960 with the one and only Haley Salvian is coming up next. She's got you for another hour on this Friday. The PDO, uh, Hockey PDO cast with Dmitry Filipovich coming up this afternoon as well. And we'll hand things off with Pat Steinberg and Flamestock all ahead of Game 2 Wranglers and Canucks right here on your radios at 7 o'clock with Sandra Persina on the call. We'll be back next Monday. We'll break it all down for what should be another exciting weekend of sports. Enjoy the weather. Have some fun outside. We'll talk to you again on Monday. This has been another edition of Sportsnet Today. You're on Sportsnet 960, The Fan.